Welcome to There Will Be Analysis. I am Nick Fantana. I'm Josh Tamlin. And we are Omega Level. Omega Level. Omega Level. Omega Level. Omega Level. Omega Level. This week on There Will Be Analysis, we are going to break down, discuss, and talk about my favorite movie of all time, The Fountain. It is a fact that it is the greatest film ever made. It is not up for discussion. I like movies. It's a fact. Wonderful smut film. Absolutely love <laughs> the direction. Now we're going to break this down shot by shot. It's, it's the first scene. It's the true to life 8mm. Oh it's just a straight smut film. It's straight <laughs> smut film. Speaking a little tangent real quick on that. You know what I'm talking about? 8mm, that Nicolas Cage smut movie? Oh my gosh. That's what you were referencing? So when I was, a, when I was young, mm-hmm. that came out, right? Like I, I was probably 14, 13, 14. And my dad... When I lived in Florida, he likes Nicolas Cage. I like Nicolas Cage, too. So we went to go see that movie, and it just didn't really occur to him that they said it was rated R, like we bought the tickets. We went and watched the movie. We make it about 35 minutes into the movie when the first thing happens, he's like, yeah, we got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to get up and walk okay, out. we got to go. He's like, yeah, I can't let you see this. We have to leave. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of Nick Cage, check out Mandy. That's all I'm going to say oh, about I it. I still haven't seen it. That's all I'm going to say. We got that movie, and he called my stepmom and told her what happened. She goes, oh, yeah, me and like my stepsister Margie, who's older than me. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, me and Margie saw that today. Yeah, that's definitely not something Nick can see. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn the hard way. Yeah, I try to, so I tried to watch 8mm when I was younger. I did eventually go back and watch it, and I didn't miss anything. That movie is not very good. I did not like it. Not a big fan. It's better than The Fountain, which is trash. But Keep it to yourself, and The Fountain is trash. Yeah, trash. For the longest time for me, my favorite movie has always been Pulp Fiction. It's the movie that really, truly showed me that movies can be more than just entertainment and like comedy. Like They can be true art forms, right? Not saying that movies that are just comedies aren't art, but at that point in my life, up to like I was 13, all I'd really watch was like Ninja Turtles and Disney movies and stuff. You know, It was just stuff to be entertaining, you know? And I don't think there's anyone that's trying to advocate and argue that the 1990 Ninja Turtles is like... One of the greatest films of all time, you know, like it's made to entertain kids. Let me go ahead and start <laughs> off here. Donatello. <laughs> so up to that point, I just watched stuff that was made for that intention and purpose. Right. And then I started getting a little more serious in the film and wanting to watch things. And I went to Kentucky and hung out with my brother-in-law, Dave, and he's really big into movies. And he was showing me all these different things. Tell me these movies. And uh, like he wanted me to see Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, but I was 13. He was like, I'm not going to make that decision. You can ask your mom when you get back to the Tennessee if you can watch these movies. And I was like, okay. So he showed me a bunch of other things that, like, you know, like older films from the 70s and 80s that were things that I could watch and, like, really piqued my interest and made me, like, really enjoy them. But it wasn't until I saw Pulp Fiction that just fully clicked. Like, I was like, oh, man, this is, I'm in love with this. this I mean, is, Quentin this Tarantino is, awesome. is a family-friendly director. 100%. 100%. 100%. He doesn't 100%. add vulgarity. There's no profanity. There's, not, there's really nothing wrong with his films. <laughs> yeah, definitely not at all. So all the way from the, my first really, like, love of movies came through up until just a few years ago, Pulp Fiction has always been my favorite movie. And it wasn't until someone had asked me, like, probably like seven or eight years ago, someone randomly asked me, like, your favorite movie is Pulp Fiction, right? And I went to say yes, and I actually, like, hesitated. And I was like, well, and I had to, like, think for a second. I was like, man, I've watched The Fountain, no lie, over a hundred times. I don't know if I've seen any other movie more than I've seen that movie. I went on. I would a, hope not. I went on about a three-month spree where I watched it every night before I went to bed, and I never fell asleep. I always finished it and then put something else on. Are you a masochist? <laughs> Are you a glutton for punishment? Right, no kidding, that right? movie I mean, it's, is it's, brutal. It's, it's man, it's right? sad. It's as hell. But yeah, so like I watched it every day, and I thought about it. I was like, man, I really can't not say that it's not The Fountain. Like, it has to be. It's The Fountain. And I said that, and like my buddy like Matt Palo was there, and he was like, whoa, what? He's like, not Pulp Fiction? And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I just... It's the fountain. It is. I have to admit that. Like, it's because of like nostalgic reasons I haven't moved Pulp Fiction. But my favorite movie is the fountain. So yeah. Anyways, long, <laughs> long way time. around to saying that the fountain is my absolute favorite movie of all time. Just I've never seen a movie that gives me the feelings 
specific feelings that this movie gives me, you know? And for me, I'm a very emotional feeling person when it comes to the film. If it brings emotion and stuff forth from me, even if I didn't think the film, like, on a technical level or performance or direction was even that great, it makes it worth watching because it brought some sort of emotion out for me, you know? No, I know what you mean. That could be any any kind of movie. If it does that, you succeeded. Mm -hmm. You did what you were trying to do. At least for me, you did what I wanted, you know? So that's, that's, and that's the reason why there's a lot of movies that aren't conventionally well-liked that I really love. And it's like, well, they got me to feel this. So I enjoyed the movie, you know? Yeah, it's all about getting that message across. Exactly. If it hits to you, like you were saying, if it, the texts aren't there, you feel like the direction's a little choppy, they don't feel like the tone of story. But if they have those scenes where it really draws you in, mm -hmm. especially the fountain, man. I mean, there are so <laughs> many different cut and boom, boom, boom. Wow. It's heavy hitting. I mean, it's from the guy that gave us Requiem for a Dream. So, of course, the cuts are going to be like, <laughs> nowhere <laughs> near that speed. But no, no, it goes God, in no. through these three storylines that really start getting you in. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you start out with the Conquistador. Mm -hmm. I thought the that was really cool. You start off like, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like I'm watching Apocalypto for a second real quick dude the first like while of that movie is all yeah the very the opening of the movie is completely based in like the the spain times bonkers just the whole cuts into the thing. futuristic aspect too for mm -hmm. a little bit of that yeah and then, then right after it goes on that cuts in between three different scenes of the same scene talking a, to this what man it's, it's a little it's, while into the movie a good 15 maybe 20 minutes until you actually get like the modern day full-on stuff yep. starts happening you know you get a couple of glimpses i think you get the glimpse of her like the red dress running it the glimpse of him turning and looking at her like as the queen with what's the up yes yes yeah like uh in the future stuff when he's in like the bubble with the tree uh, she shows up, she goes, finish it, and he turns and looks at her, and then he's like, what are you doing here? And it shows like the glimpse of him in like in his office talking to Izzy, and you don't really know what's going on because he's still bald, looks futuristic, but she's, she's all still bright and shiny. Modern, yeah. yeah, she's all modern, but she's bright and shiny still, and it's like, okay, what's going on? Like the, I, I love the opening for the film, and it definitely leaves you like, you have no idea what's going on. Absolutely. You have no, no clue what's happening no, in the same movie. Like, okay, there's, there's stuff <laughs> what's, happening? What's going on? Why is Hugh Jackman in three different areas? Like, what's going on here? I, I love that about the movie. And, like, that's honestly, that's one huge criticism that film has had for a long time is that it's really, really hard to understand. And once you get to the point about halfway through the movie, for most people, or for a lot that I've talked to, anyways, when you get to about halfway through the movie, that you start really understanding what's going on, then it just starts throwing you through even more loops in the last like 15 minutes of the movie. You're like, all right, mm -hmm. well, I don't even know if I understood this anymore because I don't know what's happening now. And that's some of the feelings I was having. You'd have, like, okay, I think I'm getting what I believe this to be about, mm -hmm. but then it adds another dynamic. And I'm like, well, maybe it has that intertwined <laughs> with it. Yeah. But then by the end of it, I have a completely different idea of like, mm -hmm. well, maybe this is actually the overall message for it. And that really takes, that's a testament for his directing ability. Yeah, what is able to a pin genius. a screenplay like that, mm -hmm. you know, it adds those three storylines and you're like, okay, but it could be this. Uh, but it could be this. Well, I think it's this. And that's really awesome that they were able to do that. I mean, it's Darren Aronofsky. This dude wrote the film Mother, which I think is one of the most thematically deep film, films ever written. He, and he wrote the treatment for the screenplay in like two weeks in like a fever or pitch. Mother? In like, like a fever pitch. Wrote it in like a week or two. Like, oh, I'm just not going to get this out. Wow. Like the, just like the original treatment. Then he had to go through and like, you know, actually make a screenplay and fully flush it out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's insane. He wrote the whole basis for it in like a week or two. He's like, I just got to get this out of my head. Mother is what made me thematically liked him. one of the most deep films I've ever seen is Mother and this love is up there too I think movie. The Fountain is I up there I absolutely love Mother we'll get to that I'm sure we're going to do an episode about Mother I mean we got, to. Point. We got, we got to. to but yeah the, the Fountain Man is just it has so it's another thing that Aronofsky does it can mean so many different things to, diff to different people mm -hmm. right that Mother does as well so does Black Swan so does I mean the, even the ending for the wrestler means different things to different people Pi means different things for different people Noah people got different stuff from Noah people get different stuff from Requiem even though that's a lot more of a straightforward thing yeah, but that was also like based it. on a novel so it wasn't a he was adapting it from something else mm -hmm. it wasn't an original there's not much you could really thing. branch off like, the, yeah. like his original like the fountain dude exactly like is... he can make something and have like a theme in mind of what he wants this to be and what he wants to like convey to the audience and be about and then 
People can completely different things. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only director that does that. A lot of great directors do that. And to me, that's the mark of a visionary. That's the mark of an excellent director when you can convey what you want and audience still get that, but also take what they, they see from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like what we, were, what we were saying the last episode. When you watch a movie, when you experience and take in any kind of art, you always take in your own self from it. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing a part of yourself in it and you always take that from it. Personally, I could definitely see that people watching this movie and not liking it because they're taking something that they don't like from it. You okay. know what I mean? I, I, think that, I, think, I think the same thing with Mother. They see something they don't mother, like in I, it. Yep. And yep. I think it's a, a lot of that's introspection, reflection, even if you don't realize it. You know what I mean? The fountain deals so heavily with death. And that's a very uncomfortable subject. And it deals heavily with death of like a loved one. Not even a loved one, like your loved one. Yes. Like your wife. Like the one seminal person in your life, your significant other. You know well, what I mean? On that one, you have one person accepting death. On the other mm-hmm. one, it's like exactly. can't deal it, can't grasp and, of letting go. And that's going to be even worse, man, to like watch someone you love die and them come to terms with it and you can't. It's like, you no, can't. don't. Like, like, to, I'm not afraid anymore. To Jackman's oh. character, to Tom, she was giving up. Mm-hmm. But to Izzy, she was accepting the inevitable. Like, there's no way. And she wants to be okay with it to try to make Tom okay with it. So that when she passes on, Tom's not going to be just completely devastated. You know what I mean? Which is what happens. Like, he can never fully accept it. Even breaks down to the point where he tells his boss or whatever that death is the disease. And there's a cure and I will find it. Like, man, that's heavy. That gives me goosebumps. That's that's hard. Like, that's that's how he sees life. Like, Mm -hmm. his wife gets taken from him and there's no acceptance. It's just, this is a disease and I have to stop other people from feeling this. I have to stop this. I have to stop it. Mm -hmm. And the whole future aspect, for me, what I get from that is like obviously none of that's I don't think any of that's happening. It's his head. You think it's so? in his mind. It's his psyche trying to come to terms and deal with life after his wife, right? Because mm-hmm. in that time when he's in the future or whatever, he keeps having the glimpses of his wife saying finish it, which is about the novel. And he keeps thinking about the one biggest regret he has is in her final days she wants him to take a walk through the snow with her. And he doesn't do it because he's trying to find a cure for cancer. So he but lets her go off by herself. together every first snow. First exactly. First drop and, of snow. And he's too caught up in trying to save her that he's missing her last days. And even his boss, I believe that was her yeah, name, his boss, like, and that was saying, like, go. She, yeah. you need to be there be, for her. It's not about Disney. trying to yeah. Yeah, This is the most important time that you need to spend with your wife that is dying. And it's telling that those are the two things that the future always comes back to, mm-hmm. is that one moment, because it's his biggest regret, it haunts him, that yes. he didn't spend, and it's not even that one moment, but that moment is the theme of his biggest regret, is that it haunts him that he didn't spend as much time as he could have with her before she died, because he was too wrapped up in something else true he was too wrapped up in trying to save her he's trying to develop a cure for cancer to save his wife like i get it's a noble cause but you're missing her last days so when she's just, gone you don't have that anymore she's gone there was too much asmr in this movie though <laughs> there's too much whispering too much <laughs> way too much way too much <laughs> yeah so he missed on that and he he, re- he regrets that and it haunts him and then the other one is her trying to tell him to finish the book and to finish it oh. is him coming to terms with death she died. I'm going to die. We all die. I have to accept that. And I think Izzy knew that him having to write that is the only conclusion he could have come to. It's a way to push through his exactly. grief, too. Like she left that for him so he that. could deal with yes. his grief through the book. Well, which when is he finishes awesome. the book, you know, he's like, 
it, it ends on the death. The last word, like, death. Yeah, he's like, and he's got the next chapter. He is broken. I'm gonna when die. He reads that just drops it, smashes glass. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, also, probably the best acted scene in that. I don't know. Oh, I mean, there's dude, a lot when of Jack breaks down. Jack breaks down. Tattoos the ring. Tattoos. Oh ring. man, it kills me. Oh man, Woo! being does that one and when Izzy dies is the two best performed scenes in that film to me. Like when she, oh, when, when she dies and he's trying to, oh, that. dude, yes, that's brutal, bro. It almost killing me. a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, let him do his thing. <laughs> He's like, all right, bro, we're just going to let you. Also, something we didn't mention, this movie is also about apes. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the prequel to Rise. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I laughed pretty hard. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. This is, there right, is yeah, no but, comedy in this we, movie. We were just doing. Yeah, we were just talking about like, Dawn. This movie has like, apes in it. I didn't even make that correlation. Yeah, so the next movie has to have monkeys in it somewhere. In some sort of. Something with yeah, apes. Somewhere. Yes, you're dealing with sadness for majority of this film. The, the you're thinking the whole the time, like, he's going to do it. Sadness. I mean, straight. The sadness. Depression. Depression in a bottle. Are you ready to be upset? But going into that and having to deal with, like, he won't accept his wife's death. He will find a cure, but he's mm-hmm. wasting the time, like his doctor said, like we've talked about just not too long ago. Uh, I mean, you've been listening this whole time. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're still listening. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Performances were absolutely great. Rachel was absolutely Dude, wonderful. She kills. You know, during yeah. this period of time, her and Darren Aronofsky were together. Really? They were an item for a long, long time. So Aaron, uh, Darren, Aaron. Does he just date all the people he's known to? <laughs> I mean, J-Lo? Yeah, I mean, what's going on? So Darren Aronofsky wrote this film like a long time before he had it made, and he originally had a, a budget and had it cast, and it was going to be Brad Pitt, and it was going to be Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Those Calm were the down. Those were the roles, son. Katie so, Blanchett? Yeah, Katie B's. Those were, uh, that was going to be Tom and Izzy, and uh, the film was a bit different. Okay. The, the originally he had a much bigger budget too to make this movie, like really? a ninety million dollar budget or some wow. crap like that, or seventy. It was insane <laughs> to make the fountain. Like, come on now, you don't need that big of a budget. But it was, I'm assuming it'd be a lot more of a spectacle, probably longer. And uh, it ended up falling apart. Uh, him and Pitt had a bunch of like creative differences, different things. So Brad Pitt left the film to do something else. Like the project got shelved, he couldn't do it. So uh. and I, I don't have this, and I can't believe I don't have it. I need to get it when I'm about to talk about. He got with an artist and made a graphic novel called The Fountain. And then he went back in and rewrote The Fountain to make it a smaller scale budget film and then he got refinanced to make it for 35 million. Wow. Yeah. That's so it's just that way is a less big drop literally in the budget, yeah. Less than like half the money yeah. got. And he re and he re had to recast so he cast Hugh Jackman and he wasn't going to cast Rachel in the film at all. Uh, Rachel Wise or Vise. He wasn't going to cast her but Hugh Jackman recommended. He was like you should cast her. So upon his recommendation, he casted her. He's like, I didn't want to be like biased, you know, because she's my girlfriend or fiance, whatever okay, she was. So at they the time. were dating. And, before, and I think they have like kids together too. Like they were good for a long time. Wow. They just weren't married. And I think they have a kid together. They may not. Wow. Um, I know she has kids now, but they're in, with Daniel Craig, and I don't remember if she had any with Aronofsky before that. But regardless, James Bond. Yeah. Nice. Uh, her and Aronofsky were together for like a decade or something. It was a long time. So like he's like I didn't want to be biased and like cast my girlfriend in the role you know but it's like your girlfriend's Rachel Wise bro she's I mean, one of the best actresses on the actress, planet yeah she I, can do yeah, it son <laughs> so upon Hugh Jackman's recommendation he cast her and it was absolutely the right call because she's phenomenal she crushes the yes. role Jackman crushes the role like there's really not much to talk about performance wise other than those two going back to her performance like she's dealing with this terminal illness mm-hmm. but yet she's so calm the entire film because we've mentioned that before acceptance she's okay with that getting into the Mayan religion and stuff Dude, like that yes. saying that mm-hmm. they have this nebula with that they believe Zabalba. is the afterlife. What was it? Zabalba. Zabalba? Mm-hmm. I thought that was the explosion that caused afterwards. Zabalba is, is that's called nebula? a nebula. That's a nebula. Zabalba is the nebula. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's a dying star. That's their afterlife. Yes. Yeah. dying star. Such a cool idea. And really. in the future, that's where he's going. And that's he's traveling going. up that's to Zabalba. With the tree with of the life. With the tree of life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that the future, obviously for me, well, for me, the future obviously did not happen. It was all in his head. That's, his, that's Tom's psyche accepting death. 
accepting that life has an end. See, that's that my canon is story. A cycle, <laughs> the death is a cycle of life. And then all the past stuff is her book. Okay. That's the fountain. That's oh, the book that's she's the book writing, she's right? You know what I mean? Yeah. For him. And obviously present day is what's actually happening in the film. And I know that's a, a major point that people don't either like or that confuses them is this the three storylines they don't like a lot of times people don't feel like it's very well mapped out what's going on they think it's three actual storylines happening and how are they connected what's the correlation here yeah, that's right like, that's what looking see, into it too deep see, when i first watched the film like I, I i completely understood that i was like oh the past stuff is her book the future is his mind trying to understand what's going on yeah. and the presence what's happening and i was shocked when i first like i saw this movie when it first came out in theaters it came out here for a week and i saw it four times from wow. Friday to Monday. So you knew pretty much from the jump that this movie was going to be... Like, you watched Dude, it from once viewing. I was viewing and were mega hyped okay. before it came out. I was already a big Aronofsky fan. Yeah. I loved Pi. I loved Requiem. This was his third movie. I was a big fan of his. Me and my buddy Steve. Strong Steve Bianca. Movie. What's up, big guy? Steve Bianca. He and I were both mega hyped for this movie. And his roommate, who I can't remember his name at the time, but we were mega hyped for this movie. We'd seen the, the trailer for it like a billion times. We were so freaking excited. We could not wait to watch this thing. And then it came out and we saw it. So four the tears, times. man. Yeah, dude, it, was, it killed me. But that's, I completely, I understood it to be that way when I first saw it. So then after the opening weekend, it happened, I'd seen it three freaking times, and it bombed at the box office. It was getting awful reviews from, from like, audience members, awful critic reviews. It was being called, like, way too complicated. Like, it didn't make sense. It was too jumbled. And I was just at a loss. I was like, man, people really didn't, like, they didn't get it. And, like, yeah. and I'm not trying to sound, like, build myself up. Like, up. I'm so smart and, like, arrogant and pompous here that, like, I understood the movie. Like, I get that. Some people just don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make you dumb. You just you just didn't get it. It's cool. You know, whatever. Maybe you you didn't like it, so you didn't get it. You didn't take anything from it. Maybe it was too confusing for you. I don't know. I know the movie has had a really big resurgence in the past five or six years and is being seen as, like, almost an unsung masterpiece. Mm. It's It's been, like, revisited, and it's definitely not seen in a negative light anymore. It's seen as a very underrated gem of a film that's, like, bordering on underrated masterpiece, which is freaking awesome for me. Like, I love that it's had that, like air revision around it like the film community or whatever that's really cool but yeah those are a huge huge point of contention for the film when it first came out it was like those three storylines just didn't like people didn't really understand them and I've, I, I've shown this movie to a lot of people and I've had to explain that to a lot of people so like I know that's an actual thing oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a bunch of people get together one time when it came out on DVD it was probably about 12 of us got together at my buddy Britt's house and hey. we all watched it and I had to explain to probably three four but probably seven people there what happened when it was over but I feel they like you need get to it. take your own opinion from it I feel like that sure. adds the ambiguous thought Side yeah, of it it's very ambiguous in the ending. It, and you're having these different things like I've said when I was watching it again that I'm like oh maybe it's this maybe it's this mm -hmm. maybe it's this and by the end of it I'm like if you think about it he's kind of a like this is about greed I know that's dark to say with him dealing with his wife like about that but greed he is selfish in this oh movie. he is selfish and he greedy he's very selfish yeah, and at absolutely. the very end he's trying to get the tree of life man mm, it's very selfish and greedy and even in the he end he didn't want to die he's boom the tree fighting of Fighting death, You're, he's exactly. the inevitable. That's what You're he trying is. Trying to fight the inevitable. He's man. flying through space to go to Zabalba, the afterlife, where you go when you die. He's not dead yet, so he can't go there yet. And he's—I have always thought he's going to Zabalba to try to save Izzy. Exactly. He's going to bring Once her again, back. He's taking the, the tree of life to Zabalba to give it to Izzy to bring her back to life. But on the way there, the tree of life is dying. And he's even saying, "Like you're going to be okay. You're going to make it. We'll be fine. We'll be fine." He's trying to get to Zabalba. He's trying to like. Hoping the tree of life will last long enough, it's keeping him alive so he can get there and hopefully resurrect Izzy or yep. whatnot and and get her back to life, right? So yeah, even still, like in the future, he's still fighting it. He's going to the afterlife with the tree of life, the cure for death, and trying to fight death still the whole time, even in in the future, which is his mind. Well, that's the thing, the cure of life. When he finished the chapter, he has the conquistador get into this next form, yeah, this exactly. other. Mm -hmm. 
uh, higher entity. You know, he basically, I don't wouldn't say he's a god at this point, but I mean, no, but he's like evolved. He's evolved yeah, into he's a like, higher life form. He's like, get, kills the Mayan. He gets into the actual tree. It reveals itself because love, you need the quick, blood. He kills the Mayan. It turns into the future self of him like levitating while yes, he's meditating. Like, oh, I was like, oh, like, that's what's going on. But then cuts back to Conquistador and he sees finally the tree of life, sees this sap. You know, he, he uses it to heal the cut mm-hmm, that he had mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he drinks from the sap. Also showing the greed aspect. He just didn't want that. He didn't want to use it for something else. He's, he's like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to oh, live forever. I'm going to live he's forever. He's there to bring this back. Just to bring to the information queen. back to the queen. It's not even for it's him. It's not even for him. And immediate but his greed. first thought. Exactly. Immediate greed. Mm-hmm. Human nature. Mm-hmm. And then the tree of life does make him live forever. But it reincarnates him as plants around the tree of life, which in that little pool will never die. In which the Mayan said, what he said, uh, spill my blood to fill, feed the earth. Is that what he said? I can't remember the. Something to that effect. But that could also hint at that it's not for people, it's for the earth. Exactly. And hence, when he swallowed it and when he healed himself, he, got he turned became into the plants. He was yeah. growing in the base of the tree. He became the roots. He became mm-hmm. the forest that it surrounded. Yeah. Like, which, in turn, which was the sense. tree of life, which gave him eternal life, reincarnating him into that. So, yeah. Like, yeah, so he writes that ending, and like, and in a sense, that kills the conquistador. It ends his story, right? Mm-hmm. But he regrows back as plants, which also takes back into what... Izzy told him earlier in the film about planting the seed over the grave, which, like, when she was on her travels, that's what, like, the guide that was showing them around was telling her was this story about how they planted a seed over, I believe it was his father's grave, and, and it grew into a tree, and he's like, they're not there anymore. They're growing into this tree. You know, it's like reincarnation through the earth, which he does in the end of the story. Which is really Reincarnation nice. through mm-hmm. the earth. And then in the end, he goes and plants that little acorn, not acorn, but that, that seed. He had a seed. He plants right that seed. Grave near mm-hmm. Easy's grave, right? That's the acceptance of death. And then it goes into the shows of the future and she shows back up again. She's like, finish it. And he's like, okay, I will. And then he finishes the novel and it comes back to the future again. And him finishing the novel is him coming to the realization that I have to accept death. Death is a part of life. That's just how this cycle goes. And so like in the future, he's like looking at the, the queen of Spain and he's crying. And he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. That's he said the, he will die That's for the Spain? ending. Yeah. And he's like, I know you will, Knight. (laughs) Yeah, I know you will. But yeah, I'm going to die. And then he climbs up the tree and goes into space with the bubble around him and then gets sucked up into Zabalba, which is him dying. It's going to Zabalba. He leaves the tree behind so he can't eat it anymore. And he gets sucked into Zabalba. I'm going to die. So that's the end of the film is the resolution within himself of life has an ending. And the story and I have came to full circle it. with acceptance. Exactly. So you go through all these it. things that we mentioned. Exactly. And, and he boom, finally accepts it. It's literally the grief. It. Pro- the film is the process of grief. Absolutely. That's what it is. And that's why I want you to watch The Babadook. Sorry to go off topic. Oh, is that what that is too? Just watch oh, it. Oh, dope. I need to see that yes. actually. I've been really interested in seeing that anyways because apparently Essie Davis is just fantastic in it. The mom. Oh my goodness. The mom. So, great child performance too. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. But yeah, so that's the, uh, and what you were saying earlier about uh, Izzy, has she's accepted? She accepts, she is accepting, but in the beginning she's not. Because when she's in the tub, like, so he comes home and she's outside they watching to, watching the stars and stuff. Dude, that, that scene breaks my heart every time when he realizes that she's not wearing shoes. Yeah. My immediate first thought when I first remember saw the movie was, oh, man, she can't feel the cold. And I know that's something that happens. Uh, you lose, like, your nervous, like, you're feeling your nervous system. And that's, like, very late in the stages. Like, it's really yeah. bad when and that she's happens. She's felt it for a while. He's yeah. Like, and like, then when she's in the tub, she's like, heat the sponge up for me. He and, he, and he looks and he sees the steam coming off the water. And he heats it up and he gives it to her and she can't feel it. And he's like, it's happening for a while. I'm scared. So at that moment, she's still afraid of, of dying. But I think she's more afraid of leaving Tom than she is of, like, leaving this earth. I she think made she, a dark joke in there, too. She's the afraid of humor. leaving him. Losing his ring? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. is she a well, redhead? Yeah. Dude, like, and man. he does not like no, that. He not. He's immediately walking out. And she's <laughs> like, stay. Yeah, and she pulls him in the tub and they have that nice little stop. moment, which is cool. 
And this then, movie makes you cry. <laughs> it's so upsetting. It's so freaking sad. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, so like, and then she eventually does get to the point where she's accepting and she tells him, like, I'm not afraid anymore. Like, I, I accept this. I'm not afraid mm-hmm. anymore. And then she gives him the book. She wants him to finish it. And then she dies. But she dies after she's already accepted it. And leaving the book for him to have to write is her way of knowing that he it's going to help him get to acceptance, right? It's that's the only also way he can move on. Something that she leaves behind for him that's never it's like not never ending but it's everlasting because it's something she wrote so he's got like a creative part of her left behind that he can always revisit sure he has pictures and memories and stuff but these are her words and her and, and her then he words exactly you know, it's the last things that she was and involved then he in. finishes it for her mm-hmm. again compliment Saying it's a married it's a married couple complimenting each other right so when you enter in a marriage you're entering into like a union you know what yep. i mean like an agreement mm-hmm. these two people compliment each other and she leaves behind unfinished work for him to finish the compliment that's so beautiful yeah, absolutely so was. beautiful i love absolutely it was. yes that is absolutely my favorite film of all time like i i can't get enough of it i've seen it legitimately over a hundred times it's the only way i've seen that much it's unreal and it's trash and, and it is garbage an easy zero out of ten it's no dawn <laughs> it is definitely no dawn omega level is proudly sponsored by ink or die studios a unique combination of a tattoo parlor and hair salon Located at 270 North Dakota Street by Flanagan's, Ink or Die Studios employs the best artists and stylists around. Boasting a friendly atmosphere, helpful, talented, and incredibly creative staff, Ink or Die Studios is the only tattoo shop and hair salon you'll ever need. Stop in, call, or contact them through their social media accounts today to set up an appointment. Appreciate you all tuning in and checking out the show. Make sure you hit up all of our social medias. We are on Facebook as Omega Level Podcast. We are on YouTube as Omega Level. We are on the Anchor app as Omega Level. Oh, I'm sorry, we're on YouTube as Omega Level Podcast. I'm fat and messed I it up. I quit. I quit. This is it. I'm out. <laughs> we're on Instagram as Omega underscore level underscore podcast, all lowercase. We're on Twitter as at Omega Level Pcast. So yeah, P-cast. hit us up. Have you seen The Fountain? What do you think about the greatest movie of all time, infinitely better than Don the Planet of the Apes? What do you think about this excellent movie? A real, true artistic movie, not some action blockbuster. Ooh, got him, mm-hmm. man. What do you Ooh, think? Wee. What do you think about the sci-fi all about Eve? That is the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> like we said before, Don, we thought that was the Citizen Kane. No, this oh. is the Citizen Kane. Also, real quick before we completely wrap up, did you know that there's no special, there's very minimal special effects in that movie? I mean, all, I some all the bread. future stuff is micro. Yeah, it's <laughs> like looking through microscope and stuff. That is so dope. Aronofsky did it because it, it remains timeless. Is it any space space scene that was done? All the space scenes, Anything all that. With stars mm-hmm. That's what all the nebula and all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, all that okay. stuff is that. And he said he did it because it was timeless, which it is. It'll never age. It's not a special effect. Huh. That's awesome. It's still made in 06. It still looks just as good today. Yep. But anyways, hit up all our social medias. Let us know what you. Think about the movie, if you like it or not. Um, what are your thoughts on it overall? Uh, do you have any suggestions for stuff that we should analyze in the future? Let us know. Appreciate you tuning in. You're fat. No one likes you. War. Fountain. <laughs>